Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Today, guys, I'm going to give you a gift. Don't start looking under your seats. It's not like Oprah. There's not a key under your seat. Don't worry. I would love to be able to do that. That would be awesome. Like, oh my goodness, he gave us a Land Cruiser. Um, But no, that didn't happen. That would be a horrible distribution of funds. Um, But I'm going to give you a gift. And now this gift is a very amazing gift. But if you use it in the wrong context with the wrong people, it's the most annoying thing in the world. If you use it with your mother-in-law, it will annoy her, so guys, it's tempting. It's tempting to use it with her. I I might have already. But if you use it with the enemy of our souls, it irritates the fire out of him. It, it, It puts him in check, and it points him to truth. And it's called the gift of actually. What is the gift of actually? Have you ever been in a conversation and someone goes, well, actually? Is that not the most annoying thing in the world? Is that just... And you're just trying to be like, yeah, well, I didn't know that. In the back of your head, you're thinking, one more actually. Just one more. Just give me one more. All right? And, but, like, but you're a Christian and you're filtering, and so you're, you're not actually doing that. But, the, but see, that's, that's why i got to tell you, you gotta, you got to use it sparingly. There are times where you might actually know the answer, and you might actually know the truth, and you might actually know um, that the, what they're saying is wrong, but there are times where you just got to go, zip it. And there are times where you throw caution to the wind and not care. And those are the times that you live to regret. And so um, I would say the Bible says, tame your tongue. (laughs) And all of us, that's a lifelong procedure, and you can't tame it overnight. So, but the gift actually is an amazing thing. Because when the enemy comes at you with partial truths or lies, you know how you can tell when the enemy's lying to you? Does anybody know? I could tell you. I could tell you, he's talking to you. That's how you could tell if he's lying to you. If he's opening his mouth, he's, he's talking, he's lying. That's the truth. And so when the enemy starts talking to you, give him the gift of actually. Point him back to the truth. Because actually is a confrontational word. It says, what you're saying to me is not 100% correct. Actually, this is the truth. So it's a confrontational word. Well, we wage war against the enemy already. You might as well actually him to death. Annoy him. Because if you give him the gift to actually, (laughs) imagine how annoyed we are. My, My daughter has learned this word. And she uses it out of context. But it's cute right now. (laughs) But there are times where she gives me the gift to actually. Like, Sky, come give Daddy a hug. Actually, I don't want to. <laughs> but I don't need it. Like, her, her cousins are here this week, and right now she's too rad for Dad because she has three older cousins. And um, she's like, no, Dad, I don't want to hug you. Like, and then 
her cousin Trajan ran up. I was like, I just need a hug. Someone in this household hug me. And I'm really that needy. And Trajan ran up, and he gave me this ginormous hug. And I was like, thank you, Trajan. And then Sky, I was like, Sky, you want in? She goes, actually, no. I'm like, I'll get her. One day, I'll get her. But today, we're in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And I, I searched so many translations to find the word actually in it. And it actually is not actually in it, but you can see, but you can see the context of where Nehemiah subliminally said actually. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love Nehemiah's response to Sam Ballad, Geshem, and the Arab. I love, um, or, and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab. I love how blunt he is with them. Sometimes we are too nice with our enemy. We have an enemy of our soul that, that, that seeks to destroy everything that we hold dear. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy you in hell. And yet, we're kind to him. Like, I, you don't want to be rude. I found myself talking to Siri the other day, and um, she said something. I'm sorry. Um, I can't help you with that. And the crazy thing is, I said, it's okay. I'm like... Did I just tell my phone it's okay? And so I started talking down to her. You stupid Siri. No. Um, but sometimes we're too nice to the enemy. And we could take a lesson from Nehemiah. He said, when the word came to Samballat, Tobiah, Gesh, um, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enem our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Samballat, and Geshem sent me this message. So I'm going to stop there for a moment. We've been in this series for 70 days. It's hard to believe that we've been in Nehemiah for 70 days. He finished, if, if he started the wall when we started this series, he would have finished 18 days ago. Think about that. He finished building the wall around Jerusalem in 52 days. He repaired it. And so, come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the, on the plain of Ono. Everyone say, oh no. That's where the enemy always wants to meet you. If it's, oh no, then don't go. That should be a, that should be a, 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 a red flag. You know, I could picture, why did they pick the planes of, oh no? <laughs> Whatever. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Man, it's lucky that Nehemiah wasn't on a dating site, because this person, she might have had to get a restraining order. That is crazy. Then the fifth time, Sam Ballot, he upped his game. Sam Ballot sent his aide to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now... This report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet 
together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you were saying is happening. So you could almost read, actually, actually, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will grow weak for the work and will not be completed. But I prayed, actually, God, strengthen my hands. Father, I pray that as we dive into this, that you open up our hearts and change us. And Lord, let us walk out of here with the gift of actually to be used on the enemy of our souls. Lord, let us walk out of here refocused on who you are and what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The gift of actually. The gift of actually. So you can never say, I never gave you anything. Some of you husbands are really going to have to temper this. Okay? Don't use it on your wife on the way home. And wives, don't use it on your husbands on the way home. Okay? Use it on your waiter. Test it out there. I'm just joking. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you do, tell them you go to Destiny Church. Um, no, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that either. That's, that's wrong. Tell them you go to First Baptist. Uh, stop. Stop. Use it on the enemy. Use it on the enemy. The first thing I want us to talk about is finished but not actually done. I think it's interesting that in the kingdom, something can be finished in the kingdom of God, but it's not done. Nehemiah finished the wall, but then he turns around and says, why should I go meet you? Because this work is not done. So the wall is finished, but it's not actually done. And so there is this amazing thing, though, that's happening here. And isn't that a clear representation of what God's doing in you? Some of us are beating ourselves up because we think we should be a finished product in Christ. Because Jesus said on the cross, after all, it is finished. But then we beat ourselves up when we don't live up to the standard that we place in our head for how we should be. The reality of it is, your salvation is finished through Jesus Christ's work on the cross and through his resurrection. Your righteousness is finished through submitting your life to him and accepting him as Lord and Savior. You'll never be more righteous from the moment you get saved. You can do all the good things you want, but when you get saved and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's as righteous as you're going to become. You're not going to add anything to your righteousness. You're not going to say, Jesus, your cross makes me look really good, but man, reading my Bible every day, that verse of day or whatever on the uh, version is going to make me look a little better. Nothing's going to make you look better than the cross of Jesus Christ. It's finished, but God's not done. God's not done with you. So maybe we should stop holding ourselves to an impossible standard and just understand that God's not done with me. There's room for error in our walk with God. We're going to get things wrong. We're gonna, there are going to be times where we think we're hearing from God and we act, and maybe we didn't hear from God. That's okay. Don't stop trying to listen for God's voice because God's not done with you. If you're not dead, then God's not done. When he is done, it's called glorification. That's when we 
We, we, we pass from this earth and we get glorified before the Lord. And then, dude, I can't wait for the day when I'm glorified. No, I, I want to walk my children or my daughter down the aisle. I want to be there, all that stuff. That, that's great. But I still can't wait for the day when I'm glorified, where this struggle with sin and the flesh is done and over. But God's finished, but he's not done with you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And I think this is a beautiful narrative. And there's something else that stood out to me in this. Nehemiah filled in the wall. Where, where did he fill in? The gaps. So if you have a wall around a city, the gaps around the city would have been the weak points. They would have been the spots where if you were coming with the army to attack, you would go for the gaps in the wall. You know, they might have their best defenses along the gaps, but the reality is there's one barrier already down. It's called the wall. But Nehemiah stacked stones week after week, day after day, hour after hour, him and the people, until the weak places became strong. God's finished, but he's not done. There are weaknesses in your life that you think disqualify you. You think that there's no way I'll ever get over this. There's no way I'll ever get past. Let's not just talk about the ones that we can see. Let's talk about the ones we can't see, the envy. I'll never get past this pride. I'll never get past this anger. I'll never get past the, the things that only I and God know about. May I submit to you, God's finished but he's not done. And we live in an inverted kingdom. As Christians, our, our values are different than the world, but then we try to take worldly concepts and constructs and put them on our life, and it doesn't work. And what I mean by inverted kingdom, Jesus says, love your enemy. That's completely opposite than how the world operates. Jesus says, um... Jesus says, bless those who curse you. That's completely opposite than how the world operates. Jesus says, I use the, why, the, 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 the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's completely opposite of how the world operates. He uses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. There is this invert, invertedness to the kingdom of which we serve. And some of us, are we, we focus on our strengths. We focus on the strength that we have in the Lord, but we never focus on the weakness. Notice where Nehemiah wasn't building the wall. It wasn't, he wasn't building the wall where it was still erected. He filled in the weakness. Some of us need to take some time, and it, it takes some, some humility and focus on the weaknesses of our life. Because when we can focus on the weakness of our life, we can turn around and say something like this. When I'm weak, I'm actually strong. Because in this inverted kingdom that we're in, it's only when we recognize the fact that we are weak that we have any strength at all. Because we both, all of us know, that if you try to stand up under temptation in your own strength, you are going to sin every single time. 
if you try to withstand, I mean, your, your, your will can only hold so much resistance in it. The enemy is relentless after you. But when we stack the strength, when we stack the stones, how did, how did the wall become strong? How did the weaknesses of the wall get filled in? We often think it's some magical, amazing, majestic act of God that will remove our weakness. If anything, the Bible teaches God doesn't remove your weakness. He, he, he trusts you to pursue him through your weakness. So Nehemiah, what he did is he got down along with the, the perfume maker, the daughters of the rulers of Jerusalem. He got down with the goldsmith. He got down with, with the priest, and he picked up that stone, stacked it. He picked up that stone and stacked it. It was in the faithful little things that he stacked the stones, and as he stacked the stones, they became strength. It didn't happen overnight. Approximately took 52 days. But as he stacked, the weaknesses of his life became strength. This is an amazing thing that God does in us as we focus. And, and I, I think it's interesting how Paul hits on this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says something that jumped out at me this morning as I read it, just looking over. But it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so, to to give you context, Paul had this thorn in his flesh. He said it was an agent of Satan, but it was a gift of God. How could it be both? God sent him this to keep him humble after his experience with him. God wants us to be humble before him, and he'll do anything to humble us before him. And (laughs) the enemy of God is not your enemy. The enemy of God is pride. The Bible says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for... When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, actually, I'm strong. But he says, I will boast in my weaknesses. The last time I checked, in order for us to boast, we have to talk about it. There are people that are arrogant in how they present themselves, but you can really solidify their that preconceived notion of what you see on them when they open their mouth. Some people, well, I don't know why I should say that. Some people look smart until they open their mouth. But Paul says, I'm going to boast. I'm going to talk about my weaknesses. Too often in the church today, we try to cover them up. We try to, we try to oh, you're struggling with that. And, and some of us are struggling with things that only God and, and, and you know about. And you're, we, we get so good at looking good that it's not good. We get so good at looking good that we are actually unhealthy. 
We get so good at looking healthy that we don't even see that our spiritual health is dwindling. And the reality of what's, what this inverted kingdom is, we talk about the very things that the world doesn't want to talk about. The world doesn't want to talk about the affairs they're having. The world doesn't want to talk about the, the, the sin because the enemy uses shame. And that's what he does. Shame keeps things in secret. But God says, I am light. In him there is no darkness at all. When you bring your sin to the light, you get free from the shame that goes with the darkness. And Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling condemnation in your life, maybe it's time that you start boasting about your weakness. Quit saying, I have it all together. When you're tore apart. When you're struggling. That's why the church exists, to help each other in our struggle. Because God's finished, but He's not done. He's not done with you. But the only way He can work on you is if you let Him. you got to lead Him. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't just kick it in like the SWAT team. He waits for you to open the door to your hurt, to your pain, to your weakness. And when, he, when, when you open the door, when you walk with the Lord, when you start doing the things that he called you to do, you start stacking those stones little by little. You start talking about the weakness. You start, it wasn't until I started talking about the addiction that I had to pornography that I got free from it. I started telling people, how do I get free from this? I can't do it on my own. For seven years I struggled. But the Lord set me free when I mentioned it. We stack our strength. Little by little. Little by little. Until our weaknesses become our strengths. And when our weaknesses become our strengths, the enemy can't use our weaknesses against us anymore. Because he tries. The enemy tries to define you by your worst mistake or God defines you by his son's cross and resurrection. So when the enemy comes at me and he says, you're really weak in this area, I say, you call that a weakness? Actually, that's strength. Oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bad leader? Actually, that's a strength. I hope I'm not a bad leader, I don't know, but... I'll find out eventually. Well, we all will. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> but the enemy tries to make you focus on your weaknesses. But through this inverted process and this inverted kingdom, God says, that very thing that you think disqualifies you is the very thing I'm going to use to set people free from it. The very thing that you think is uh, too great to overcome is the very thing that I'm going to use to help other people overcome. That very thing. Because guess what? Whenever you say, I'm, I'm not qualified to do something, you're putting, your, you're putting yourself above God in your life. That's pride. You might say, no, that's humility because I understand my past. I understand what I've done. I understand that I'm not perfect. I understand everything that I've done. Yeah, but only God can qualify. Only, and God doesn't disqualify anyone. He puts a purpose and a plan on everyone. So when you say that I'm not qualified to do that, you're saying, God, my opinion about my life is greater than your opinion about my life. And that's ultimately pride. And we're sitting in his throne in our life. You don't get to disqualify yourself from use in his kingdom. You don't get to do that. 
If God says, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's your qualification. He's finished, but he's not done. As you grow in your walk, as you start stacking those bricks stone by stone like Nehemiah, and he fills in those weaknesses, the more you're faithful in the little things, the more responsibility you'll get. Some people want to just jump up on stage with the mic. But God's saying, how about you just be faithful in straightening the chairs? No one starts up here, because if they started up here, their head would swell. I already have a big enough head. But it's a good thing I have a crack in my skull to let off some of the pressure sometimes. Because um, I'm telling you, there are times where I was like, man, I want to get up there and preach. I have a, something to say. And God's like, no, I need you to set up chairs for youth ministry. And guess what? I bit my tongue and set up chairs. And I mopped floors. Be faithful in the little things. And when you're faithful in the little things, it stacks your strength. And then suddenly, God gives you more responsibility and more responsibility. And suddenly, <laughs> you look back and like, how am I where I'm at? It's because you're faithful in getting down, picking up that stone, and putting it on the wall, filling in that weakness, filling in that weakness. And how did you do it? You, you pursue Jesus. You pursue Jesus. You go after Jesus. You go after his will for your life. You go after his purpose for your life. Because God's finished, but he's not actually done. We need to... We need to grab hold of the gift of actually in our life. Because God's not done with you. He's not actually done with you. Nehemiah gets a call from Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem. And Samballot's on the phone. He's like, hey, Nehemiah. I don't know why I sound like that. Let me redo this. Yo, dog, Nehemiah, I heard that the, the wall's done. And... Uh, how about we meet up in the plains of Ono and, and, and Tobias in the background? Not Ono, that sounds like a trap. Say, uh, the Kidron Valley, the Kidron Valley, that, that's a good one, that's a good one. And, and Simbala's like, shut up, shut up, I got this. Yeah, the plains of Ono, Thursday at 4.30, right? Yeah, let's meet up and let's talk about how you, you rebuilt the wall. And um, yeah, I want to do some renovations here in Samaria. I'm thinking about putting a wall up myself, so let's meet up and... Um, and I would love to really get your opinion on, should we use burnstones too up here? Or was that just a Jerusalem thing? And he leaves a message. Nehemiah calls back. And he says, uh, no. No, we'll talk about what Nehemiah said. But I think it's kind of interesting. We need to understand this. Nehemiah was not called to Ono. He was called to Jerusalem. God is not obligated to keep you where he hasn't placed you. Some of us are, some of us have stepped out of God's will for our life. And then we're saying, God, where are you? And God's like, I'm where I put you originally. Just come back to where I put you and everything will work out. I'm not saying God won't bless you or anything like that, but God places us for a season and a reason. And some of us remove ourselves prematurely. God's not going to keep you where he doesn't place you. And if you place yourself in a place that God didn't place you, then you have to keep yourself there. And then there's pressure. There's pressure to keep yourself there. there there's, but, but when God places you somewhere, 
Nothing on earth can remove you from that place because God placed you there for a reason and a season. That season might be long, that season might be short, but don't take yourself out of a place where God placed you. God did not place Nehemiah in the plains of Ono. He placed him in Jerusalem for a purpose and a reason. Where did God place you today? Because he's finished, but he's not done with you there. And if maybe you're in a, in a spot where you're trying to transition out of where God's placed you, don't. Don't. I'm telling you, stay where God's placed you. It might be hard sometimes, but God's blessing is where he placed you. God, and, and sometimes it looks dire. Elijah was placed next to a brook and he was fed by ravens for a season. And it didn't look, it didn't look right. I don't know if you knew this, but everything Elijah ate next to that brook was unclean. Think about that. He's a prophet of, under the old covenant and everything, and the law says every raven is, every type of raven is unclean. That means everything, every, every part of meat that they touched became unclean. So sometimes, this is side, side. Sometimes God will use things that we think aren't qualified to do the very will that he's called them to do. So don't write off anyone or anything. It might be the unsaved person that pays your bills this month. I don't know. But don't move. Elijah stayed next to that brook until God moved him. And then God told him to go to a crazy situation. Instead of going like, hey, go to the palace where they have a lot of food. God's like, go to that single mom whose husband died and who's struggling. And she's going to feed you. That doesn't make sense. Sometimes God's instruction doesn't make sense. But, but don't, <laughs> number one, just because it doesn't make sense doesn't give you an excuse not to obey. Number two, just go with it. Nehemiah was told to go to Jerusalem. And he stayed in Jerusalem. That's where God placed him. Don't remove yourself from where God's placed you. Because God's not obligated to keep you where he hasn't placed you. But in the process, Nehemiah knew that they were trying to attack him. Nehemiah understood this. The whole time it was a trap. Of course it was a trap. It's called Ono. But I think sometimes we get, we get it mixed up in our head. The Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper. But we, we, we misquote it and we say no weapon shall be formed against us. And that's not truth. Sometimes we, we have this misunderstanding. No weapon formed against us. That means there will be a weapon that comes against you. And it doesn't even say that you won't get hurt in the fight. It says it won't work. It's not going to work. So stay where, you're, where God's planted you. Go after Jesus because he's finished, and he, but he's not done. He's not actually done with you. That's the truth. Actually, always points back to truth. Stay there. Be planted. Be blessed. Because you might get cut by that weapon, but it won't work. It won't work. And the, the next point, the last point, last week I had four. Everyone says, amen. In closing, this is my first closing, guys. Actually, 
reveals oh no. They wanted to meet Nehemiah in the plains of Ono. Nehemiah calls back. He's like, hey, Sam Ballot, it's Tobiah and Geshem there. It's kind of weird that you guys are being so nice to me. Just two weeks ago, you're trying to kill all my workers and their families. So what's up with the nice phone call and the gift basket? That's weird. And so I, I think I'm going to take a hard pass on your invitation to meet up in the plains of Ono because actually the work's not done. Why should I go? I'm not going to meet up with you Thursday. I'm not going to meet up with you today. I'm not going to meet up with you any, any day because I'm not called there. When you know where God's placed you, that will help you discern the Onos in your life. What does Ono look like for you? Maybe it looks like that guy at work that's a little too nice. Ono. That, little, that guy that's always paying you compliments they're not they're not inappropriate but it's kind of weird how often he says it like no person should do it that much we all know that guy or maybe it's that girl at work that pays you way too many compliments the other day i was at the other day i was at popeyes imagine that and I was ordering chicken because, I mean, what else are you going to get there? They do have good biscuits, though. And uh, don't judge me. And I was standing in line. I'm just kind of standing there minding my own business. I already placed an order. Awkwardly, like I normally do. And this girl walks up to me. She goes, Woo! Do you work out? And I'm like, talking to me <laughs> looking around and like I don't like uh, this doesn't happen all that often and so my my natural reaction to those moments is I start fidgeting with my wedding ring and I grab that and I'm like yeah I've dabbled uh, I, I've, I've, I've dabbled a little bit in the gym like whoo man it looks like it I'm like I don't know what to do right now. Find your happy place. Find your happy place. And, and so whenever, whenever that happens, I normally, I dabble with my wedding band, and then I take, and I always mention my wife in conversation. And I was like, well, my wife made me a, a vow a long time ago. If I ever got out of shape, she'd leave me. And guess what? My wife is smoking hot. So, and like, you know, I'm paying her compliments. She wasn't even there. I was earning brownie points and all this stuff. And, and, She's like, woo, son, you got nothing to worry about. I'm like, thank you. I'm going to go take a shower now. And, uh, but if we're not careful, that could be oh no. That could be oh no. Flattery leads to compromise. What does oh no look like for you? Maybe it's Oh no, I have to stay late tonight. I won't, won't be able to take my wife out for that dinner I promised because I'm putting my work in front of our relationship. Oh no, I won't be able to get home on time because I promised my kids I was going to go to the park with them. Sometimes people think when it comes to raising children, it's quality time. 
and they think quality outweighs quantity. No, it doesn't. You can't replace the quantity of time that you invest in your children. You want, you, I want to have quality time with them, but sometimes just sitting there on the floor and letting them adjust my back by jumping on me. Even though I'm not playing with them, I'm literally just laying down because I'm beat and my wife won't let me sit on the, the couch because I'm covered in sweat. That quantity time is what Sky's gonna remember. Man, Daddy just laid there and let me kick him in the head. It was great. <laughs> but Ono could look like a lot of different things and actually reveals Ono. Actually reveals Ono. Because the enemy will come at you and the same voice that tempts you is the same voice that condemns you. He'll tempt you, yeah, you need to get that project done. You need, to, you need to do this. You need to do that. Or, oh, it was just a compliment. Yeah, just, just, you know, you just continue the conversation. You know, one of the best things that the Lord ever gave a man is called his neck. It's, and and, and this, is, this is how it works. Turn away from what catches your eyes. Turn to the point where your eyes can't look back. Because the enemy will come at you and he'll say everything and he'll identify you by your worst mistake. He'll say you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, you're an abuser, you're, you're whatever, and you need to say, actually, I'm not. The enemy say, actually, you're defeated. And you say, actually, I'm more than a conqueror. Actually, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Too often, I, I hear the words in conversation that really annoy me. Have you guys ever heard the word can't or won't? That really annoys me when people start putting and speaking that over their life. I can't do this, or I, I won't be able to do that. I understand sometimes circumstances won't allow you to, but when they say, I can't handle this, yes, you can. The Bible says you can. If Paul can handle being hungry and starving, going with clothes and without clothes, if Paul can handle the persecution and the beatings, you can handle what you're going through. Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's an actually statement. Actually, I'm more than a conqueror. Actually, I'm a son or a daughter of God. Actually, I can do all things. Actually, God is with me. God is for me. God is working in me and on me and through me. That is actually statements. And when we use actually against the enemy, it makes him so mad because he has no ammunition on us. It just robs him of everything that he's trying to throw at us. It robs them of that oh no meeting, of that oh no trap, because the, the, the meeting in the plains of oh no was a trap. Tobiah calls Nehemiah back, he's like, hey, I just read this letter and it says that you're trying to set up a kingdom. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And um, how about we meet up in that same place and we... we, we uh, Let's, let's strategize how to, how to deal with the, the backlash of the media, the social media campaign. We don't want to deal with that. CNN's going to be there. It's going to be a bad deal. You know how they twist things. Fox is going to be there too. And you know how they twist things. And Nehemiah calls back. He says, actually, nothing what you said is true. And I will actually not meet you there. Not now, not ever. Take this gift of actually and use it against the enemy. Take a play out of Nehemiah's playbook because some of us are dealing with oh no traps right now. Ben, if you could come.
Some of us are dealing with oh no moments. Some of us are dealing with oh no temptations. And God has given us this gift. Actually, that's a trap. Actually, that's not the truth. Actually, this is who I am. What we're going to do today is we're going to respond. We're going to respond with praise. We're going to respond with coming forward. We're going to respond with putting our identity in God. Actually putting our identity in God. Some of us say my identity is in God, but you keep identifying as something that you used to be. You're letting the enemy put your identity on you. The enemy doesn't have your identity. God has your identity. The enemy always identifies you by your worst mistake. Don't believe me? Look at Doubting Thomas. He's an apostle of God that shared the gospel, but he's forever known as Doubting. The Bible doesn't call him Doubting Thomas. People call him Doubting Thomas. The worst mistake. God has a better identity for you. It's time that we actually get it. It's time that we actually receive it. It's time that we actually get up and get out and do the things that God has for us to do. This is a gift. Use it.